Erie. Welcome back to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickfill. It's February 5th, and we are so excited for today's show. My name is Nick Gartman, and as always, I'm joined by my guy, Paul Adamsack. Paul, what's up, man? Doing great, man. Beautiful, beautiful weekend. I saw the sun for the first time in a while, so I'm feeling good. Yeah, what was that big yellow thing in the sky? I don't, I don't know. The skies are blue. Who knew the sky was blue? I don't know. For, for a couple of minutes there, anyway, as, Listen, as I recall. It's just beautiful outside. I will take every second of this I can without having three feet of snow. I agree. I, I spent <laughs> all Saturday afternoon outdoors. I don't even know what I did, but I was outside and I loved it. <laughs> Rich, were you you know enjoying the weather camping again this week? Uh, no, but actually <laughs> uh, I hit up the ROTC skills competition over at McDowell this weekend. That's the first time I'd ever seen something like that. A very interesting event. What is it? I've never even... I never uh, heard of it either. All of the JROTC programs yeah. uh, come over to McDowell and they do drill, they do color guard, several other things that I have. I'm, I'm a neophyte. I was in <laughs> ROTC and there was some stuff in there that I didn't know about. But it, you know, it's how the how the students, you know, learn the skills and yeah. show off the leadership. And it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Those kids always were just super impressive to me because yeah. it took all I could to get up and go to school. And then these kids are out at like 5 a.m. running and lifting and all these things. And I'm like, well, I got out of bed today. I was like, what do, you, tart. what do you mean you made your bed? Why? <laughs> are you not going home? What are you doing? Yeah, no, exactly. But that's super cool. Yeah. I, like I said, even though they did stuff like that, Pretty that's neat. great. All right. Before we get into the North Shore Rewind, though, I do want to remind you guys, give us a follow on social media, Flagship City Sports Talk, anywhere you can find us. We're starting to interact with some fans there. It's been a lot of fun, so hop into the conversation. Mercyhurst boys basketball team takes down top seed of Girard. Cathedral Prep earns another District 10 AAA title, and the Iroquois football team could face probation for that wardrobe violation. Don't say malfunction. <laughs> Let's get it back to the North Shore Rewind, brought to you by Duska's Funeral Home. <laughs> Hey, let's start with basketball. Paul, what do you got for us this week? All right, let's start with the boys basketball, the flagship city sports talk player of the week. On the boys' side, for the second week in a row, it's a Harbor Creek Husky. This week, it's Braylon Wilson, the seniors' double-double, 13 points, 22 rebounds, highlighted the Huskies' 48-38 victory versus Fort LaBeouf last Thursday. When you go over 20 rebounds in a game, you get the player of the week. I mean... No doubt. Like it's like you said, double double rebounds. Those, those are Rodman numbers. <laughs> good good stuff. Good old there. Good worm. Stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, as a, and as we continue on, the boys basketball team of the week, the Mercyhurst Prep Lakers. Coach Sean Bears Lakers have surged in region three recently, now riding a five game win streak, which last week included wins over Seneca, sixty six forty nine, and over first place Gerard, fifty six fifty two. On Friday, look out for the surging Lakers. Well, it's like what we talked about in the football season with McDowell. This is that point of the season. It's being You're hot at the right up, time. Right, 100%, 100%. What about the girls' side? All right, on the girls' side, the player of the week was Ariana Reap from Erie High School. The senior forward recorded her third double-double of the season for the Royals. 14 points, 16 rebounds when they beat Fort LaBeouf. 37-26 last Thursday. Can't complain about that. No, big week for the Royals uh, as they also get our team of the week. And as we said, getting hot at the right time. Now at 14-5 and five overall, Erie went 2-0 and oh last week, including the aforementioned win against Fort LaBeouf on Thursday. They took down rival McDowell last week as well, 38-34 on Tuesday. Now we're starting to get into the back end of the schedule. Correct. 
playoffs are you know tournaments coming up here soon very soon what do you what do you need to see from a team at this point to get ready for the tournament well as we talk playing well playing together right now and i look at the teams who are healthiest i mean let's let's be honest and that's across the board in all sports the teams that are playing well and they have all of their we'll say stars available that's what you want to see yeah no, it's interesting. I think it's going to be an interesting month of February with basketball keep going. Always. All right, switching over to wrestling for a second. Cathedral Prep earns another District 10 title, successfully defends its title, by the way. Wrestling title at Mullen Gymnasium, winning their 12th overall D10 team title and eighth in the past nine seasons. The Ramblers dominated McDowell in the semifinals with a 57-12 victory before topping Hickory 48-19 in the final. Eight starters from last year's championship squad returned for prep, contributing to their back-to-back title wins. Prep's lineup built a 39-0 lead over Hickory with big pins by Brandon Bird, Corey Kowalski, Max Spalding, and Omar Arrington. Hickory mounted a lightweight comeback, but the overall duel was already out of reach. Cathedral Prep qualified for the PIAA Class 3A tournament at Hershey's Giant Center, where they'll face the District 1 runner-up in the opening round. Cathedral Prep aims to improve on last year's PIAA performance, having dropped the opener to Springford which, uh, with a scheduled preliminary round on Thursday and a potential matchup against the Whippeal champion in the quarterfinals. Jumping over to Fort LaBeouf, not you know, not the same kind of good news. Reynolds successfully defends its District 10 Class 2A title against Fort LaBeouf with a 32-27 victory at Sharon High School. Despite missing a starter and facing injuries, Reynolds maintained dominance against Fort LaBeouf, winning for the 21st time since the inception of the D10 team postseason tournament in 1999. Reynolds is to wrestling what the Pittsburgh Steelers are to defense. They're always good. I mean, that's 21 titles in 24 years. They're incredible. Jeez. Louis Gill is tearing it up at University of Pittsburgh right now, too. Yeah. I mean, just amazing stuff. You know, Western Pennsylvania, all the way from the south to the north. Mm -hmm. Great football. Great. Wrestling is not too far behind. It's not. So it's interesting to see. In in Junior's news... uh, Arco Artman won fourth place in his division. No, you should have seen this. This is just my son. I'm totally just messing with you. But (laughs) so we had another wrestling tournament this weekend. I got to mention this. And I don't know how to act as a a father. My son, who's yet, this is his first year. Okay. He's yet to win a wrestling match. Wins fourth place at the Futures tournament this weekend. Nice. Yes. Well, hey, only four kids in your weight class. It's not a participation (laughs) trophy. He earned that fourth place finish. So... Do you remember that scene in uh, Semi-Pro where they all come out of the stadium? <laughs> fourth place, fourth place. Hey, he was excited. He wore that medal for the whole next two days. Hopefully. That's awesome. Good for him. He had a great weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, wrapping up the rewind with a couple bit of news items. McDowell hires Aaron Slocum as the next head football coach. Yep, 12 years with the Trojans, former defensive coordinator. He'll get sworn in, we'll say officially introduced, February the 12th. McDowell's recent success, including an 8-5 and five record, in a D10 championship last season. They return a ton of talent, Nick, including quarterback and national prospect Blaze Myers and all district receivers, James Ziegler and DeMar Dickerson. They're going to be good again. Well, and what I think helps with that, I mean, we talked about the players, a lot of good players coming back, but a lot of the same staff is coming back too. Correct. You know, a lot of times when you see at any level a head coaching change happen, you don't know what's going to happen. 
could get better, could get worse. It's a different system. It's a different offense. It's a different defense. But I don't I don't see this slowing down McDowell at all coming into next year. No, I don't either. And part of that is because how quickly the coaching change, or I should say the, the hire was made. It feels like McDowell knew who they want. Um, and I don't I don't know who handpicked them or anything like that, right, but it, right. it, it seemed like they were very comfortable moving forward. Yeah. Now, this does still pen that district vote on February 12th, but I don't see any issues. No, probably there. not. <laughs> uh, in other District 10 football news, Iroquois could face probation due to the uniform violation this past fall. Oh, boy. Yeah. Do I want to fire you up? So how, I was going to say. Let me crank you, you up here. Ahead. Yes. <laughs> All right. District 10 committee in Iroquois High School are in a dispute over a football uniform violation, which led to the hearing on Wednesday. Iroquois Superintendent Shane Murray and Athletic Director Carl Zimmerman presented their case to the committee, and after deliberation, the committee passed a motion requiring Iroquois to acknowledge the error, design an action plan to prevent it in the future, and present a written report within one week. Failure to comply would result in the school being placed on violation for one year. If you, if you don't remember what the violation is, the violation occurred during a football game against Greenville on October 5th where Iroquois wore road white jerseys instead of the designated home jerseys in an effort to promote a, quote, whiteout game. District 10 then deemed the action illegal according to PIAA rules while Greenville promptly self-reported the violation Iroquois disagreed and had exchanges with D10 through the emails and phone calls. I love this quote from Mr. Murray, superintendent, to the committee. This is via Tom Reisenweber in his article in the Erie Times News. Quote, what you do is important and your time is important, just like our time is important. To be sitting here talking about a uniform that was worn in a game between a 1-5 team and an 0-5 team on a Thursday night to me seems almost outrageous. That's not why we're here. We're here because we believe we've been treated very unprofessionally by Mr. Pete Iacino. No other organization that I belong to would allow threats, Murray said. He went, then went on to say, then call members of our school community and tell them to go talk to your superintendent and talk some sense into them. Who does that? We are, in a, we are a member in good standing, end quote. I was going to say, and that was a quote, by the way, as you oh, yeah. got no, fired that's up not yourself my opinions, at the yeah. end of reading. That's, not, that's yeah. not my opinions. Yeah. So that was Shane Murray. Um, and I won't re rehash the whole thing. If people want to hear my take, you can go back and listen to the podcast in yep. early December. Um, but I just wanted to call out uh, or, or, or really congratulate and appreciate the, the words of District 10 Treasurer Jim Comey, who stressed simplicity. He goes, look, we don't really want to be doing this either. Basically, he said, just do what Greenville did. Send us an apology yeah. and let's get this behind yeah. us. Um, the thing that I really find in amusing is the term action plan. Yeah. <laughs> you want to develop an action plan, how we don't wear white jerseys at home anymore. We won't do it again. We exactly. <laughs> you know, it reminded me, do you remember the, uh, the press release when Michael Jordan came back in 98, it just said, I'm back. <laughs> like I, I imagine Iroquois sending something across going like, we're sorry. Yeah. Or like yeah. it won't happen again. Just something hilariously short. Yeah. It's, it's like when, it's like dumb. when my son trips somebody on the playground and they make them write an apology letter. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Yeah. All right. Real quick before we wrap it up, some quick Otters news. Erie goes two and one in a three games in three ga three games in three days stretch. They won six one on Saturday night. Uh, Kerry Terrance with two goals in the first period in that one. Uh, they have another three-game stretch coming up this week, but tonight uh, they will have a makeup date of January 10th postponed Mental Health Awareness Night as they'll face off here in just a few minutes against the Barry Colts. All right, that was it for the North Shore Rewind, brought to you by Duskus Funeral Home. 
We have to take a break, but when we get back, we're heading to the campus corner. You're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickfield. Hi, I'm Jason Shookluck, McDowell alum and University of Akron soccer player, and you're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk. Welcome back to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickville. Hey, you get a dub, you get a dub, you get a dub. Wins all around for Erie County basketball teams. Let's cross the quad to the campus corner. Before we get into the game recaps, we do want to just share a little bit of news here. Former men's basketball coach Kelvin Jefferson and Gannon University settle their lawsuit. Kelvin Jefferson, former Gannon University's men's basketball coach, settles a lawsuit over his firing, ending a dispute that began in April 2023. Jefferson sued Gannon for breach of contract after being terminated in late March of 2023 following a 3-23 record in the 22-23 season. Terms of the settlement were not disclosed, and Jefferson's lawyers filed a notice discontinuing the litigation on January 31st. Jefferson claimed that Gannon had to buy him out as he was fired one year into his four-year contract extension, seeking the honor of the rest of his extension. Gannon argued that Jefferson was an at-will employee hired via an appointment letter, not a standard contract, and had legitimate reasons for termination, including poor performance, issues with student-athlete behavior, and retention problems. Jefferson's teams at Gannon went 41-53 and 53 in four seasons with two PSAC tournament appearances in the three years the tournament was held. Gannon hired a new men's basketball coach, Jordan Fee, in April, and Fee's team had a strong performance with a 19-2 overall record and is currently in first place in the PSAC West. All right, sticking with Gannon, we want to get into women's basketball. Listen, Gannon women's basketball team extends their winning streak to 20 games with a 69-57 victory over Cal at the Haggerty Family Event Center. They may never lose again. No, no. They're oh, on don't fire, say man. that. Listen, now oh, Coach true. Wright's going to be calling us now. <laughs> Way to go, Paul. And not for the feature. Sam, Sam Barasco scores 23 points. Bree Claxon added 22 points. Gannon ranked second in the WBCA Division II, top 25 and third in the D2 CSE media poll. They improved to 23-1 overall and 15-0 in the PSAC West, while Cal suffers their third straight loss following to 14-7, I should say, and 9-6. And Perasco's 23 points brought her career to 1,995 points, just five away from joining the 2,000-point <coughs> club for Gannon women's basketball. Perasco made 7 of 12 field goals, including a three-pointer, and was 8 for 9 at the free throw. Claxon, not to be showed up, scored double digits for the 15th straight game, contributing 22 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and 3 steals. Gannon ranked 1st in the Peace Act, 5th in the division in scoring, held 18 opponents to less than 60 points, well, they're going to conclude a three-game homestead and aim to clinch a berth in the PSAC tournament by hosting Edinburgh Wednesday at 5.30. Over to men's basketball. Yeah, those slouches over on the men's side at <laughs> Gannon University. They secure a pivotal victory over Cal with a final score of 107.98 at the HFEC to win their eighth consecutive. That solidified their spot in the PSAC tournament. Coach Jordan Fee's squad ranked ninth in the NABC Division II Top 25, showed up and showed out against 14th-ranked California. Despite trailing momentarily, they got big performances from Derek James, Nathan Schneider, and Lyle Tipton. 
the Golden Knights' aggressive offensive strategy paid off with Josh Omajafo's stellar 27-point display cementing the win. They'll look for their first 20-win season since 2017-18 on Wednesday, like you said, February 7th, and they wrap up their three-game homestand against the Fighting Scots of Edinburgh. I like how you said HFEC, but I'm going with the hag. The hag? So we're just going to go to the... Let's show up at the hag on Wednesday. (laughs) Ma, I got to go to the hag. (laughs) They only won by nine? What's going on? (laughs) I know. Against against a top 15 team in the country. What is their problem? (laughs) Must be slowing down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, they're not 23 and one, so... (laughs) Get in line, boys. All right, Baron. Men's basketball, Baron 77, Pitt Bradford 59. Yeah, the men's basketball team secured another good victory. They're rolling that right now over UPB on Saturday. Despite a 6-0 early lead for UPB, they Baron rallied behind standout performances from Tommy Dorenzio, Mason Blackenberg, and Sean Mason. Dorenzio, we, we say his name every every week, it seems, led the Lions with 21 points, his 19th double figures outing this season. Blankenberg with 16, while Mason added nine off the bench. R.J. Marsh also had a double-double with 12 points and 10 rebounds. And the defense limited Pitt Bradford's scoring opportunities, holding key players like Jamarian Butler, who's third in the AMCC with 18.5 points per game in check. They let him only to six points that game. Lions quick turnaround with Wells College. I've never heard of Wells College. Coming to the Junker Center tonight, 7 p.m. tip. I've never heard of it either, but it is their first time coming to the Junker. So yeah, only the second enough. time playing them. I had to look yeah. them up. Yeah, I did the same thing. <laughs> because the women's basketball team is also still rolling. PSB 90 pit Bradford 60. Baron women's basketball takes them down in some AMCC action. Barron registered a season-high 12 three-pointers, including eight in the second half. Morgan Altavia led the Lions in scoring for the third straight game with a career-high six three-pointers and 26 points, adding eight rebounds, three assists, and three steals. Barron scored 40 points in the paint, capitalized on 31 points off turnovers. The Lions, though, never trailed, completing the season sweep of Pitt Bradford. Barron improves to 13-7 and seven all. 13 and 7 overall and 11 and 2 in the AMCC while Pitt Bradford falls to 8 and 12 and 5 and 9. Lions also face the Wells Express at home on Monday in a makeup game with a 5 p.m. game time. All right, heading to the borough. Men's basketball secures 83-62 victory over Clarion in PSAC West action. Yep, despite trailing 37-34 at halftime, Edinburgh rallied fiercely and held the Golden Eagles to 28 points in the second half, led by Bernie Blunson's impressive 25-point performance, coupled with former Mercyhurst prep Dante Wilcott's 18.8 rebound performance, and of course, former McDowell Trojan Jack Gallagher, who had 17 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals. Uh, He played a pivotal role in that win as well. Told you wins all around because the women's basketball team just secures a 63-57 victory against Clarion as well. Scotts took an early 11-5 lead in the first quarter when Morgan Gentile and Jillian Fisher sink a couple of three-pointers to make it 18-7 by the end of the quarter. As they go back and forth, Edinburgh extends its lead to 45-31 in the third quarter. Clarion, though, mounts a comeback, 11-1 run, cutting the deficit to 46-42, but Edinburgh builds a 59-49 lead with Clarion scoring eight consecutive points, 59-57, 221 left on the clock. 
But Edinburgh wasn't going to back down. Closes out the game with a 4 of 6 performance from the free throw line. Morgan Gentile, like we said, led the Scots with 19 points, while Ashton Boggs contributes 14. Edinburgh is set to face Gannon in Erie on Wednesday. Sorry, guys. All right. <laughs> That's always a big game. No, it's always it's close gonna be between huge. Edinburgh and Gannon. You know, and where is it, where's the game? HFEC. At We're, the Hag. Hag. Yes. <laughs> Come on, Paul. <laughs> All right, real quick before we wrap up, Mercyhurst men's basketball out secures their 88-73 road victory over UPJ as well. Big wins all around. A lot of awesome things happening. Like we talked about, basketball is heating up. It's going to be a great month of basketball this month. Hey, that's it for the Campus Corner. But before we take our next break, I want to take a second and thank all of our sponsors. Quick Fill, Duskus Funeral Home, Circle Industrial Supply, John's Wildwood Pizza, Denny Sales and Service Center, Awesome Painting and Services. Without them, we wouldn't be here for you. Hey, if you'd like to sponsor a segment for Flagship City Sports Talk, send us an email at flagshipcitysportstalk at gmail.com. When we get back, we welcome Jamon Mason, all-time leading scorer for Edinburgh men's basketball to the flagship feature. You're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quick Fill. And we're back. You're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickville. On today's flagship feature, we welcome Jamon Mason, all-time leading scorer for Edinburgh men's basketball. And now he's volunteering for the Bloomsburg men's basketball team. Jamon, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. How you guys doing? I appreciate y'all for having me. Listen, it's February 5th. It's 40 degrees and there's no snow on the ground. We're, we're doing okay up here in Erie. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect for Erie. Yeah. I, listen, I keep saying with global warming, this is going to be the place to be in about five, ten years. <laughs> <laughs> the beaches of Presque Isle will be this full. Is, this is Miami in the year 3000. There we go. There we go. <laughs> well, Jamon, we, you know, we know you. We, we're excited to talk to you today. But for those that don't know you or maybe you have never heard your name before, What's your origin story, man? Where, where'd, where'd you come from? Where'd you grow up? How'd you get to where you are today? Uh, I mean, I grew up in Edinburgh. I was born in Erie, grew up in Edinburgh. Um, started playing basketball at a very, very young age and kind of just stuck with it through my early, early childhood days, through middle school, high school to college. Um, went to John McLean, graduated in 2013. Um, then I went on to play for Edinburgh and did, did some did some amazing things there. And now I'm here, coach, help trying to get into the coaching world, starting here out at Bloomsburg University. No, that's cool. It's it's a good place to be too. And with that coaching, you know, it, it helps to to be an all time leading scorer at, at Edinburgh. You kind of bring some credibility <laughs> to the team. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so in your senior year with Edinburgh, with a three pointer from the top of the key against Mercyhurst. You break the all-time scoring record. Then you finish the season with 2,005 points. You're, at that time, just the 14th player in PSAC history to do so. So my question is, what did it mean to you to break that record, a record held by your father, Tyrone Mason, by the way, who played for the Fighting Scots in the 90s? What did it mean for you, whether you know the, the record by itself or and then and or that part with your father as well? Um, it was... Uh it was a kind of an emotional moment at first. Um, Cause honestly, when I got to Edinburgh, everybody was asking me if I was going to try to break that record. And when I came in, I told everybody this, I wasn't even really thinking about the record yeah. um, until about my, until about my senior year when it actually, it was, a, was possible. And then later on in the season, like as it went on, I'm like, this is actually can actually happen. 
Um, but in that moment, it was, it was, it was, like I said, a kind of an emotional moment. Um, just because I didn't, I didn't really think of it. Like I said, when I came in, I really didn't think it was going to happen. Sure. Um, but it was definitely a great accomplishment for me and my family. And of course, and it was kind of special, special for it to be my dad as well. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of picture now. Don't get me wrong. I'm a nineties kid. So I picture those like, you know, little, <laughs> little giant style movies where it's like, you know, you get the shot at the top of the key. All of a sudden it goes into slow motion. There's the, there's the, the cinematic music in the background. You, you pull up, you take the shot, it bounces around the rim and then sinks in at the last minute and everybody goes wild. That's how I picture it. So do you still, do you remember it that way? Or am I maybe overselling it a bit? <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of like that, you know, I came down, <laughs> hit the shot, and then they st- they they obviously stopped the game. Um, and then, you know, I went over to my team, you know, shook everybody's hand. They thanked, congratulated me and whatnot. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of like that, if you want to say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's how you got to, that's how you got to sell it anyway. <laughs> well, you, yeah, yeah. Jamin, the game of basketball has changed a lot since 1996 when your dad graduated and set the points record the first time. What would you say is something you took from your dad's game and what might be something that you can confidently say that you were better at than maybe your dad was uh, in your particular style of play? Um... I think the game has just, the like you said, the game has changed a lot. It's not, it's so much more. A lot of guys now can do everything on the floor. You know, back then you probably had a lot of, you know, the big men only only being able to, you know, shoot layups or hook shots, um, be close around to the basket. Um, but now it's changing to where everybody can do everything. Um, you see seven-footers being able to do guard, doing guard things as well. So it's definitely expanded like crazy. Um, I think my what I took from my dad for sure was his competitive nature, I would say. Um, okay. I love to compete. I love to compete. That was my that was my thing. Um, and probably his just his attitude towards the game. Um, what I can say, what I'm better at than him, um, I'm gonna have to say scoring because I I surpassed him, so I'm gonna have to I'm, I'm gonna have to just stick with uh stick with the scoring yeah. uh, attribute for me right now. <laughs> you got that for the rest of your life, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got yeah, you know, I got that, I got that, I got that one up on him for forever. So I just picture like Jamon, take out the trash, Dad. Who's got the record? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always, the only thing the only, the only thing he got on me is say he, he did it in three years. I I did it in four. So. <laughs> okay, okay. That's that, that's the only, that's the only that's the only thing he can say. <laughs> but you've got a lot of records that he doesn't have. Uh, career records and free is. throws made: four hundred ninety-seven free throws attempted: five hundred ninety-three. Uh, named an All-American for the Scots, fourth in school history with. 414 career assists so you grew up among basketball royalty then become before becoming royalty in your own right you mentioned the competitiveness uh that you got from your dad what was it like growing up around that great greatness and and how was that instilled into you um i think just seeing it just seeing it every day i mean i mean when he was playing at edinburgh like i I was a baby so i really don't I don't remember. I don't remember yeah. much of it. Um, but I mean, as you're growing up, you're playing, like you yeah, said, middle school yeah. basketball. You know he's around. You know he's chirping in your ear. What's what's he telling you? What yeah. what really like pushed you? Um, I think I just wanted to be like. I think I just wanted to be like him. I mean, he was such a great player, competitor. Um, 
like I, I played a lot of sports growing up. Um, I think I just wanted to be like him and live in, live in his shoes when I got older. And I think I did that. Um, but it was just constantly putting the work in, um, and just being, just being able to do what I, what, what I was able to do. Now, Jamon, obviously breaking the record is a big deal and, and getting to play, you know, at Edinburgh. Now you're over at Bloomsburg. What happened in the in-between? Fill, in fill in the gaps there for us. Uh, so I had a, so after I left Edinburgh, I had a small stint, um, in the Canadian professional league. Um, I was only there a couple of months. Uh, didn't really like it. Didn't really work out for me. Um, and then I kind of, I stayed around the game a little bit. I was training here and there. Um, and then I just started, I just, then after that, I kind of got out of basketball for a little bit, kind of just started working. Um, and then I got, so, and then I just decided, I'm like, I need to get back into the game cause I missed it so much. Um, so my uncle is actually the head coach down here at Bloomsburg. So, um, I had a, so we talked and, uh, he thought it was great for me to come down here and try to help out, um, and help him build, build what he's trying to build up down here. So that's kind of how it all worked out. Okay, your uncle. See, I had it written down here. I see you're now at Bloomsburg with a couple of fellow Edinburgh guys, Isaiah Smiley and Chris Bess, the head coach. So obviously some familiarity there with those guys in the system. So tell us about that life. How does the game change then from the perspective of a highly productive player to that of a coach? Oh, it's different for sure. I say that to people all the time. Like being a player and then coming on this side where you're kind of drawing up the X's and O's, um, it's definitely different. Um, It's a lot more... You got to put a lot of time in it, like as film watching and just kind of seeing what seeing. You got to get everybody to jail at the same time. You got to uh, mesh personalities and egos. So it's definitely. It's de- I didn't see this side of it obviously as a player, but it's definitely different um, on a coaching side. Just trying to get everything together and making everything work and have one big goal. No, that's great, man. It's. What okay, so then what's the plan in the future? Volunteer now, you want to be a coach, you want to kind of break into coach? What are you thinking? Oh, uh, right now, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, after this year, I'm definitely I'm gonna be applying everywhere, anywhere that I can to try to get an assistant job. Um, I'm I'm the reason I took went into this to do this voluntary was for me to get my uh, foot in the door and to keep on keep on coaching. So, um, I'm in this coaching world, uh, for real now. So no, that's great, man. We're going to be excited to follow that, too. We'll be keeping an eye, and if there's anything we can do for you in, in the future, you just let us know. For sure. I'd appreciate that. And listen, I know you're only a volunteer, but you got to pitch your uncle for some uh, for some batteries. That smoke alarm going off in the background. got to drive you crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just literally just started hearing it. I just started hearing it. I just started hearing it. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries, man. Just had to poke some fun. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the air, and we look forward to having you back soon. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Yep. All right. We got to take a break, but when we get back, we'll get into the Rust Belt Rundown. You're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickville. Welcome back to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickville. The 49ers and Chiefs face off in this big game. Big game. (laughs) Don't say it. Very good. Don't say it. The big game. And the Steelers have a new OC in the Rust Belt Rundown presented by Circo Industrial Supply. All right. Before we get into the game that shall not be named, the Steelers name Arthur Smith as their new offensive coordinator. Just, you know, who who's... 
I, that's right. I, I said that I one. called yeah. that last week. I won't have many of those, so I'm going to take that one for sure. <laughs> Steelers I also name. called that it wouldn't be Kingsbury. So <laughs> that's true. That's we true. were two for two. <laughs> Steelers name former Atlanta Falcons head coach Arthur Smith as their new offensive coordinator. Smith brings 17 years of NFL experience as a coach, including the last three seasons as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Smith previously served on the Tennessee Titans coaching staff from 2011 to 2020, where in the final two seasons he served as the offensive coordinator. During his tenure with the Falcons, the team's offense had six games with over 400 yards in 2023 and a top 10 rushing attack with a top five opponent pressure rate. If you're a fan of fantasy football, you might not love Arthur Smith, but he always has a good offense. And I really like this hire for the Steelers. Yeah. And he gets into a situation where he's got an Alabama running back that weighs over 240 pounds. It worked out well last time. (laughs) So I think it should uh, bear well for Najee Harris and Pittsburgh fans coming up. I think so too. And it's not, if you were looking for the Steelers to go out and do something big, something flashy, like a Cliff Kingsbury or something like that, that was never going to happen. I was going to say that I don't think you paid attention to the Steelers for very long. If that's what you expected. No, especially, you know, you have Smith coming in. It's a lot of the same coaching staff, Mm -hmm. but like we said last week, he fits that power run game that the Steelers, you know, have built their identity around that Tomlin wants to run. But as much as I want, you know, the big flashy offense, this fits. You don't have to worry about retooling the offense. Like you said, Najee Harris will be great. I mean, maybe good news for Pickett. I still don't think Pickett is it. But, you know, depending on what happens in free agency or in the draft, Smith's coaching did have a significant impact on quarterback Ryan Tannehill, earning him a Pro Bowl nod and NFL Comeback Player of the Year in 2019. I'm not saying he can fix Pickett, but there's a recipe, I guess. Yeah, you know, if he can turn... Kenny Pickett into a game manager, you know, an above average signal caller. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers should be in good shape with Arthur Smith. And there's there's rumors abound. I don't know that any of this will actually happen, but I do like the connections to Mike Munchak and Mike Rabel. Definitely. Both who, you know, if you can get Munchak to come back and serve as offensive line coach or some sort of assistant, and then you get Or somebody on the Munchak tree, coaching tree. Right, right. Or or Vrabel to come in as like a defensive assistant or assistant coach, like what Flores did Mm -hmm. uh, a couple years ago. I don't know. I think it's a good hire. A lot of the same but definitely an improvement in offensive coordinator. It fits Western Pennsylvania football. Yep. We'll see how it turns out come fall. All right. Jumping over to the big game. We have the 49ers versus the Chiefs. I'm excited about this one. I, you know, sometimes you go into the Super Bowl and it looks like, all right, you kind of know who's going to win. But honestly, both teams have a really great chance and are really great teams. It's just going to be exciting from opening kickoff. I agree. I don't think either of these teams, you know, got lucky over the course of the playoffs. Like they both deserve to be here. Yeah. And I'm with you. I don't think there's a clear favorite. I think the odds that they've put out also say that there's no clear favorite. Obviously, somebody has to be favored. Sure. Uh, the the consensus point spread is a 49ers minus two and a half right now. Yeah. But that's less than a one possession game. That right. is either way. Yeah. Who do you like? I mean, I typically root for the AFC because I'm an a fan of an AFC <laughs> sure. team. So sure. I want to see the team that beat mine go on to win the whole thing. It makes but you feel better about the loss yeah but exactly a little bit a little bit but i'm also a fan of guys like christian mccaffrey and i've always been a shanahan fan so i don't really care i, I want to see a good game i'm looking forward to usher at halftime yeah. Uh, yeah. it should be fun it should be a good game i'm not like going into a thinking oh this is going to be a beat down let's just get it over with right so let me ask you this the only reason the chiefs are here is because of pat mahomes i mean the defense is playing incredible i'm not trying to take away from the defense okay Pat Mahomes is just insane. This is his fourth Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and he's been a quarterback, what, six seasons? Yeah. He's been in the league six seasons, Correct. first year behind Alex Smith. Yep. And then, I mean... So, se- so seventh season, because he he basically got a redshirt Like a redshirt year. season, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not, you know, throwing out Tom Brady 
Brady type numbers here, but Mahomes magic, is it enough to take down the 49ers? Um, it's certainly a, a factor. He's definitely not the only reason they're there. I would think Andy Reid, Kansas City's head coach, in the conversation for one of the greatest coaches of all time. I know the numbers don't stack up to sure. Shula and Belichick and, and all those other guys, but, but he's definitely up there. Schematically? Schematically, oh he's second. Almost, you, you might say second to none. I mean, yeah. look at what he did with the Eagles you right. know, 20 years ago. So right. it's clearly success follows him. This is easily the best defense that Mahomes has had in his time there. And they've got a first ballot Hall of Fame tight end and Travis Kelsey, who I think people may have heard of. <laughs> <laughs> um, for various reasons. He's the but one that made Taylor Swift popular, right? He's the one that yeah, made Taylor Swift popular. Okay. Um, but he's pretty good as well. So when, <laughs> when you put those factors together, I think the consensus is that the 49ers might have the better roster. Certainly weaker at the quarterback position, but yeah. maybe the better roster. But the Chiefs, man, they stack up so well. Like I said, yeah. between the defense, between the pieces on the offense, and the guy calling the plays, yep. it's going to be really, really interesting. And actually, I wanted to mention, my key, key matchup in this one is the battle of the former head coach. Kansas City's offensive coordinator, Matt Nagy, former Bears head coach, and then the 49ers defensive coordinator, former Cardinals head coach, Steve Wilkes. So you have coaching trees and high-level coaching on both sides of the ball and both teams in this game. So well, it's very, Spag- very interesting. Spagnola, the defensive and, coordinator for the Chiefs. And so, that's right. Spags has been a head yep. coach. That was that was a long wasn't time a, ago, but you're absolutely right. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot of coaching experience going to this game, a lot of guys that have been around for a long time, prepping teams. And honestly, for the Super Bowl, you need that because there is so much drama, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pomp and circumstance that, that comes with the Super Bowl. I mean, you look at the pictures already coming out of Vegas. It's insane. Oh, my gosh. It's already happening. Vegas is nuts right now. Yes. And so we, we talked about the coaches, and I think they can plan. I think they can they can draw up a great schematic here. But I do worry about both quarterbacks and the mental game. And don't get me wrong. I know I just talked about Patrick Mahomes yeah. and all the great things that he's been doing. But I worry about the distractions, right? And not the I'm not going to beat up on the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing, because I think it's fun. And for the grand scheme of things, she's like got less than 2% of airtime per game. But it's a cool story. Story and that's what we're here. We're here to tell those cool stories. But you also can't tell me that it's a distraction or that it's not a distraction, I should say. Then you have, unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes Sr., father of Pat Mahomes, quarterback of the Chiefs, was arrested in Texas over the weekend on suspicion of a DWI. That's got to weigh on you as a quarterback. You know, I didn't actually hear that. And that's interesting. Um, yeah, all those things that put to the aside. I, I know the Grammys were last night and they said that Kelsey wasn't in attendance to, to see girlfriend except for a couple of awards. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's definitely that that level of focus. And at this point, you know, the Chiefs have been there so many times that I don't want to say it's old business to them, but I think they have some experience in handling it. I think you mentioned off air that we're looking really at, at Brock Purdy and how Mr. Irrelevant handles that pressure. Yep. Yeah. No. And I do worry about that. I mean, Purdy has, I think Purdy has the, the, uh, uh, the, the, how do I want to phrase this? He's got the structure. The Shanahan system, the Shanahan tree is the thing in the NFL right now. Yeah, and he's yeah. been the most prolific game manager of that system yeah. in a long time. But I think he's got the most pressure. You know, when you look at the quarterback matchup, I think Purdy's got the most pressure. A, you got to go against Mahomes. B, you had an MVP. You know, you were at one point of the season talked about being the MVP. Now it's like, you don't even deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. Then you have rumors of, okay, if Purdy loses this game does he come back as the starter next year you know so there's some worry about it there i i think the pressure in terms of performance is is based off of of purdy 
but I think the curse of Sposta is a guy by the name of Dame, Dave Damashek. If you ever listen to any of his NFL, yeah. is great. But he always talks about the curse of Sposta. Mahomes and the Chiefs, I think, are supposed to win this game because uh-huh. it's Mahomes. I, it, that's, but all this stuff is exactly what we're talking about. I think it's going to be a great game. I don't think it's going to. I don't see it being a blowout. And I think it's going to come down to, like you said, that that three point game. The interesting thing about the supposed to thing is, yeah, the, the actually the betting lines favor the 49ers. Yeah. But if you look at the betters, ESPN says, uh, going across different sports books, more than 70% of the bets favor the Chiefs. Yeah. So we'll say the, and this is air quotes for the radio, <laughs> experts yeah. are picking the 49ers, but the people watching it are thinking the Chiefs. So Because you can't bet against Mahomes. And, and that's fair. And that's yeah. when you said more, more pressure is on Purdy. I'm going... Is there's not more pressure on Patrick Mahomes to once again be Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. All I want to know is, are we going to be among the millions of people that call off on Monday? <laughs> no, we'll be here. <laughs> well, I'll be here. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you guys. <laughs> to be determined. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how good Usher was at halftime. <laughs> it's not going to be last year's. All right. Yeah. For the commercials. <laughs> All right. Excited for the game. Can't wait to see what happens. Before we go, though. I do want to mention we talked about transitioning and we're talking about basketball and hockey now, too. So the Cavs, hey, they're winners of five straight. Yeah, how about Saturday night? Donovan Mitchell scored 31 points. Evan Mobley had 28 points and 10 rebounds. And the Cavaliers routed the Spurs 117 to 99. Additionally, Jared Allen had 26 points to go along with 16 rebounds. And Mitchell added eight rebounds and seven assists to help Cleveland win its, like you said, fifth straight and now 13th in 14 games. Now, guys, there were some fisticuffs. By the way, which word we use here? Fisticuffs, fracas, or kerfuffle? Anyway. I like them all. Cleveland led by 26 <laughs> points in the fourth quarter, but the lopsided victory didn't end without drama. Mitchell and San Antonio's Zach Collins were ejected with 54.7 seconds remaining after the Cleveland All-Star leapt up to push Collins in the face and chest after taking an elbow to the head on a moving screen. Jeez. Coach J.B. Bickerstaff, the kid was upset at a play that happened before, and he retaliated. Was he? (laughs) (laughs) Donovan did what Donovan does. He stood up for himself. I understand the rule, but if a guy takes a cheap shot on you, again, you should be able to protect yourself. Fair enough. By the way, Darius Garland returned to action last Wednesday. Guys, in three games, he's averaged 10.6 points per game in 22 minutes per game. The top-down view calves up to third in the Eastern Conference, surpassing the win the Knicks in win percentage, now at 31-16. and 16. Still five and a half games behind the league-leading Boston Celtics, only a half game behind second-place Milwaukee, who was kind of faltering uh, as of late. Cavs with four games upcoming this week versus Sacramento tonight at Washington on Wednesday, at Brooklyn on Thursday, and at Toronto on Saturday. Looks like we're picking up the Cavs season at the right time. Exactly. (laughs) All right, that's it for the Rust Belt Rundown brought to you by Circo Industrial Supply. Guys, we want to hear from you. Send us your fan questions to flagshipcitysportstalk at gmail.com or find us on social media. Send us a message. We'd love to talk to you guys. Get your questions on air. Erie. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Nick Gartman, and I'm signing off for Paul Adamzak and Rich Smith. Hey, that's it. We're done. Have fun.